Thank you for listening to the Jesus Family Podcast, where we want to help you follow Jesus and find family. This is the final teaching episode in our series, The Unholy Trinity, Understanding Your Most Dangerous Enemies. This is part 12, Curtains. So this is a recap episode. Just me wanting to stop and kind of reflect on everything that I've learned and discovered and hopefully you've learned and discovered as well over the past 11, now 12 episodes talking about the time that Jesus went into the wilderness to battle the world, the flesh, and the devil in Luke 4. And so what I want to try to do in this final episode is really just answer a couple different things. Why did I start this? I just want to just kind of give that overview again. What did I learn and then what's next? So I mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, but I didn't want it to overshadow everything else. But I want to go a little bit deeper about why and how and where this started, because I just want you to get the full context. Um, About a year and a half, maybe two, two and a half years ago now, I read a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, who was a pastor out of uh, Oregon. Actually, I didn't read it. I got the book on audio and I listened to it once on Audible. And it was fascinating. It was a discussion about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And up to that point, I'd never heard a pastor kind of put that all together in one teaching and kind of draw the different lines of the world, the flesh, and the devil. I'd always heard about them individually, but not as one cohesive unit. And that's the first time I heard the phrase, the unholy trinity, which is not original with him. He gives credit to uh, an earlier church father from several centuries before. And so that got me fascinated. I'm like, hey, that, that's a neat teaching topic. And then as I began to read in the New Testament, it's almost like when you get out of a, a, a car lot and then you begin to see that same type of car that you just bought everywhere. I began to see the world, the flesh, and the devil everywhere. And so he just took different verses and kind of put them together. And it was a good teaching. I would still recommend the book to anyone who wanted to have more um, understanding on this. But I began to see it concentrated in specific spots. I saw it in the three temptations in Luke 4, which is what I just taught on, um, that the world, the flesh, and the devil are really the three temptations of Jesus. And that was a validation. I'm like, no, this is, this is a thing. It's not just three random aspects of what we have to struggle with as Christians, but it's a, it's a thing. It's a real thing. And even when I was reading in like Luke chapter 8, the parable of the soils, we read the parable of the soils as the, a man went to scatter a seed and, you know, it fell on four different type of soils, three bad and one good. I actually see the world, the flesh, and the devil in that as well. So I began to see this pattern and that began to just really, really kick my curiosity into overdrive because I'm like, this may actually be a thing. I began to see it. And so at that point, I wanted to explore it. Now, at this point, I was already transitioning enough out of full-time pastoral ministry, so I didn't have an outlet. I didn't have a a pulpit I could preach on it, but I knew that it was something I really wanted to explore, so this podcast became a great outlet um, because one of the reasons why I teach is not just to help others, but honestly, very selfishly, it's to help me. I, I realized early on that I learn best when I teach others because I take a concept 
And then, you know, I have to wrestle it to the ground. I have to think about it. I have to try to understand it. I have to try to get my arms around it enough so that I could teach it to others. And by the fact of me just wrestling it to the ground to the point where I can teach it, I've learned it better than I ever could have before. So I wanted to learn it. And I knew the best way for me to learn it was to try to teach it to others. And so I started this not just as an academic curiosity, but really as a realization that this is, this could be the thing behind the thing behind the thing. You know, a lot of times we, we look at the world around us, we look at Christians who are struggling left and right, or churches who are falling into scandal, and we always blame it on this or that. But I'm thinking, this might actually be the thing behind the this or that. And so I wanted to do uh, an exploration. And so this teaching series was born. The second question uh, for this final episode is, what did I learn? Well, at least for me, I'm walking out of this teaching series more convinced than I, when I walked in. There's, there's several times where I have a cool idea or something will come to me and I'll try to explore it. And pretty early on, I'm like, okay, there, there's just not enough here. Maybe it's just something, but you know, it, 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 the, the trail grows cold pretty quickly for this I just got more and more convinced because I began to see it in more and more places. So I think that this stuff is real, that the world, the flesh, and the devil, what others have called and what I'm adopting as the unholy trinity, that the theory pans out. There's enough content to teach on it. I just did it in one place in Luke chapter 4, and, I, and rather than doing a complete overview, I wanted to see and show that it was concentrated in one specific spot it's not just a bunch of random bible verses that i you know put a band-aid on to try to you know put together to, to teach on it but you see it in luke chapter 4 but it's all throughout the new testament there's a fascinating other theory i want to follow up on because i did a word study on the word for world and the word for flesh and the word for the devil or satan and i want to see where they popped up and there's actually in the new testament there's actually some very concentrated places for instance like the number one place where uh, the word world shows up in Paul's letters, because Paul talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil constantly, is in the book of 1 Corinthians, the first six chapters. And where the word flesh shows up the most and the biggest concentration is in the, in the book of Galatians, the six chapters in Galatians. And where Paul talks the most about the devil is actually in the book of Ephesians. And so there's another follow-up that I would love to do that I think... My theory, working theory, that I haven't panned out yet because I haven't spent the time with it, that, but I think Paul has his own guidebook that he is kind of working out in real time how to combat the world, the flesh, and the devil based off of the life and the ministry and teaching of Jesus. And we see Paul's, you know, addition to this teaching content in 1 Corinthians, the first six chapters for the world, and in Galatians for the flesh, and in Ephesians for the devil. Like if you want to look at um, spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter six, there's things about, you know, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. I think all of that is literally how to find and spot and then combat the lies of the devil. That's it. And, and, and he uses all of Ephesians to build up to that. So anyways, all that being said, I think there is so much more content out there on the world and the flesh and the devil to teach on. So I think this stuff is absolutely real. And I think it explains so much. 
the concepts of the world of flesh and the devil are abstract. It's, it's like kind of nailing jello to the wall, but I think it's real. And like I just said earlier, I think it explains why. Why you can have so many well-meaning Christians fall. Why you can have churches get so off track. Why people who claim the best can live out the worst. Because I think the world, the flesh, and the devil are an absolute reality. And go back to the parable of the soils, and like in Luke chapter 8, you know, um, I remember have it being, having it being taught to me in seminary as, you know, hey, there's four people and only one of them is going to get to heaven. So I thought this was a, a, a parable about salvation, that only the one on the good soil ends up going to heaven. But I think when you read it, you can also not read it as just going to heaven, but as growing, as growing in your Christian faith. Let me read it real quick in Luke 8. Um, that Jesus said, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And other seeds uh, fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than it was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The disciples cornered him later on and said, okay, what does that actually mean? And Jesus said, in verse 11 of chapter 8, the seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones to hear, and then the devil, okay, your antenna should go off, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. No mention of the flesh or the world, but I'll circle back to that. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. In either Mark's or Matthew's version of this, actually the word world is used. So you see the devil and you see the world, and I think you can make a pretty strong argument that the seed in the rocky soil is a, is a life that is still dominated by the flesh. So if you see the world, the flesh, and the devil show up in the parable of the soils, I think this is a parable about how to grow. How do you grow in your Christian life? You grow in your Christian life by overcoming, learning to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil by the power of the Spirit. And what example do we have of that? Well, we have the example of Jesus who went into the wilderness and overcame the world, the flesh, and the devil by the power of the Spirit, that same Spirit that now lives in us. And many of us as Christians today, if we're struggling in life, if our testimony is, is ruined, it's because we have either fallen to the deceit of the devil, and our heart has been wooed away from God by the world, or you know we're losing the fight to the flesh. It's, a, it's, it's the battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. So this is Christianity 101, this is Christian growth 101. There is so much there, and this explains so much. And so what else did I learn? I learned that I think this stuff is everywhere. I mean, I see the world, the flesh, and the devil. I see it in churches. I see it in me. I think it's all over American Christianity. It's like a cancer that is metastasized. Do you see churches that are given into the world? Yes, you know, it's all about money or prestige. It's it's the super popular, you know, it's the hip, the cool, and it's just, you know, 
it's it's the worldly values with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on top of the wealth and wealth, you know, health and wealth and prosperity and all that sort of stuff. Do you see churches given into deception? Yeah. I mean, you, you see some churches that are taking some Bible verses way out of context, and you don't even have to be a seminary graduate to think, okay, that's not what the Bible meant. And you see churches that are absolutely given over to the deceit of the devil, even with the Bible verse attached to it. And do you see churches given over to the flesh? You know, you might think, okay, the flesh, there's not a bunch of orgies going on or anything like that, but I think it manifests itself more as pride and arrogance, which are are some of the the fruits of the flesh that Paul would list in Galatians chapter uh, 5. So do you see churches that are prideful, hypocritical, arrogant, conceited because they have a corner on the theological market and they're modern-day Pharisees? You bet your bottom dollar we see churches like that. So I think churches are absolutely caught up in the world of flesh and the devil. And I had to own that myself. This was painful for me because I had to look back at how I was raised, how I was trained, and how I lived, and even how I pastored and ministered. And I saw way too much world, way too much deception of the devil, and way too much flesh. And there were things that I had to repent of. This stuff is everywhere. If you want to know why the church is struggling, why so many Christians are struggling, I would argue it's three reasons. The world, the flesh, and the devil. I think this is so foundational. I mean, I hope that you could just tell, just listening to this, I'm so fired up about this because I think it explains so much. Which is why Jesus went out of his way to tell the disciples something that happened before he even met them at the very beginning of his ministry. He battled and overcame the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that same battle waits for us to fight and overcome through the same spirit that lived in Jesus. So what's next? Where do we go from here? Well, you can go just in the rest of Luke chapter 4, and you see this again. You see at the end of this passage that after this temptation, the devil left again uh, until an opportune time to come and tempt Jesus. And I don't think he had to wait long. It's fascinating. After the three temptations in the beginning of Luke 4, if you look at the rest of Luke chapter 4, there are three episodes. And surprise, surprise, I think those are secondary temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus is rejected at Nazareth in verses 14 through 29, or 14 through 30. And there is pressure from those around him to conform to their expectations. I think that's the temptation of the world. And then after that, in verses 31 through 37, Jesus is in a synagogue and the devil comes out and manifests his power through a demonized person. He tried to deceive him the first time. That didn't work. So he came out and tried to intimidate him. And so Jesus had to come through, uh, come and interact with and confront a demonic spirit head on. That was the devil. Then I think you see the flesh at the end of the chapter because Jesus went over to Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law's house, and was staying there, and it said he was tired because he had just cast out a demon, and almost like running a marathon, when you exert spiritual energy, you have to rest and recuperate, and I think Luke is very intentional to record that at the end of the day, at sunset, i.e., I mean, Jesus is off the clock, it's been a long day, you know, there was no lights on, there was no electricity, 
So, I mean, people just went to bed at sundown. It was at sundown that the entire town showed up. And I think there was a temptation of Jesus to say, you know what, man, it's been a long day. Couldn't you guys have shown up at the synagogue? It's late. I, you know, I've got a host. It's rude to her. Can we just pick this up in the morning? And I think there was a strong temptation in the flesh for Jesus to say, no, not today. Guys, I've already given a full day's worth of work. Let's pick it up in the morning. But Jesus goes and it says he heals every single one of them and lays hands on every single one of them. He was fighting the flesh. So I think you see that Jesus fighting the world of flesh and the devil, not once in Luke chapter 4, but twice in, in Luke chapter 4. And I think that's worth an exploration. And then, this is where I would love for this to end up, and this is going to be a secondary teaching series. So all this has been just to try to identify the world of flesh and the devil, because you can't fight what you can't see. And so I'm trying to just call it out and, and show examples of it so that you can see, oh, that's the world, that's the flesh, that's the devil, because you can't fight what you can't see. But that's going to lead to part two, and that's going to come uh, in a couple of months. But it's how do you fight it? Okay, seeing it, identifying it, that's one part, but how do you actually fight it? How do you fight the world of flesh and the devil? And this is where I differed a little bit. No disrespect, but I differed a little bit from Pastor John Mark Comer and his book, Live No Lies. Again, I would recommend you read the book. I think there's some really good information in there. His recommendation was, hey, let's go back to the early desert fathers. Let's go back to those people in the third and the fourth century and see what they did. Let's go back to something ancient. And I think he's right on with that. I just don't think he's going ancient enough. If you're going to go back to the third century, why don't you go back all the way at the beginning? He, at least in that book, didn't make the connection between the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the temptation of Jesus in Luke 4. That was something that I, I had seen. And so I want to do a follow-up series, not just on what the early desert fathers did, or even what Paul did, or this Bible verse, or that Bible verse. Again, I want to be very specific on, on what I'm looking at. I want to take a look, and there are seven things that I've identified, and I'm sitting with these seven things, and I'm doing some more study on these seven things, because I don't want to just teach it until I have even more confidence about it, but there are seven things that I see that Jesus did in Luke chapter 4. If Luke chapter 4 is when Jesus fought the world of flesh and the devil, let's look at what Jesus did in Luke chapter 4 when he came up against the unholy trinity twice. What did he actually do? And so I'm developing, working on the seven spirit practices of Jesus or the seven spirit habits of Jesus, how to overcome the world of flesh and the devil. And these are seven things that we actually see Jesus doing in Luke chapter 4. And I think it's hiding there in plain sight. Because if we can begin to institute these practices, these habits, these disciplines in our life, I think we'll begin to see victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we'll begin to see the Spirit manifest himself in incredibly powerful ways as we learn to lean on him through these seven practices. And then, watch out. So there is so much more to get through. But this is the end of this teaching series. I will come back again at some point and try to wrap this all up in a, an online course that people can look at and read and, and watch and listen to and all that sort of stuff. But I hope that you've uh, enjoyed this series as much as I have. Thank you for coming along with this journey. 
Uh, would love to hear your thoughts, your stories, and your insights on this as well. Until then, God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Jesus Family Podcast. I just released a brand new resource I would love to give you for free. If you go to www.thejesus.family new, put in your email address, I'll send it straight to you. Thanks.